We're going to be in Luke chapter 9. would love to have you turn there with me. And I'll pick it up in verse 1. We're going to be covering just a very small section of this passage, but I just wanted to read uh, a short section of it to, just to give you context here. It says this, And he called the twelve together and gave them power and authority over all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal. And he said to them, Take nothing for your journey, no staff, nor bag, nor bread, nor money, and do not have two tunics. And whatever house you enter, stay there, and from there depart. And wherever they did not, do not receive you, when you leave that town, shake off the dust from your feet as a testimony against them. And they departed and went through the villages, preaching the gospel and healing everywhere. Now Herod, the Tetrarch, that means just a ruler, heard about all that was happening, and he was perplexed because it was said by some that John had been raised from the dead, John the Baptist, whom Herod had killed. Uh, so he's, he's hearing that John the Baptist has come back from the dead. Yeah, that's who he thinks Jesus is, or somebody told him that anyway. Um, and John had been raised by, from the dead by some that Elijah had appeared and by others that one of the prophets of old had risen. Herod said, John I beheaded, but who is this about whom I hear such things? And he sought to see him. So Herod wants to see Jesus. And, uh, and then here we go, verse 10. On their return, the apostles told him all that they had done. And he took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. When the crowds learned it, they followed him, and he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. And we'll be talking about, and he welcomed them. That'll be the subject this morning. The context here is this, that Jesus has been training his disciples. He's been healing all kinds of people. He's been doing all kinds of ministry, and he finally sends them out. And he says, okay, guys, you're on your own. You've been watching me, you've been seeing what I'm doing, and now you're on your own. I want to see you go out, and, I, and I, I want you to heal and cast out demons, and I want you to stay at people's houses like this and, and that. And so his disciples go out. And in the meantime, what happens is this, is that there's uh, this ruler, Herod, the Tetrarch, who is hearing about Jesus. He's hearing these stories, and he says, I want to see this guy, Jesus. And so somehow somebody knows about this, and I think Jesus also knows about this. So we have somebody who is seeking after Jesus, and Herod is not a great guy to have an audience with. You don't want to go hang out with Herod. You never want to go to the palace and be like, oh, this is fabulous. Love what you've done with the place. Nothing like that. Herod's not that kind of guy. You don't want to be with him. You don't want to be sought by him, but Jesus is being sought by him. And so pretty soon the disciples come back from doing all of this ministry. And ministry in this day and age would have been exhausting. The amount of need in a system that has no health care, or ridiculous health care anyway. Uh, maybe you can imagine what that's like, I don't know. But uh, he's in this period of time where there's lots of need, lots of healing that needs to take place. Lots of stuff needs to happen in this time. And so his disciples are weary. They're weary from having done so much ministry for so long. And so they come back and Jesus says, hey, listen, let's hop in the boat and let's go across the lake and let's just go spend some time. Let's go debrief 
together and let, let's just talk about what's happening. And so they got hop in the boat and people see Jesus get in the boat and they see the disciples get in the boat and they go, I wonder where he's going. And so they're beelining it across the lake and the people on the shore are seeing where Jesus is going. And so they begin, <coughs> excuse me, they begin to walk down the shoreline and they're going, oh, he's, he's, going, he's, he's going over there. And so they start booking it. And pretty soon they're going from town to town. They're, they're going through this town and they're going through that town. And little by little, somebody uh, sees uh, sees these people running, and they're like, I wonder where they're going. I'm going to go with them. Or somebody, they're running through, and, and they say, where are you going? And they, they say, Jesus, the guy who's healing everybody, he's headed over there. And so they're running. There is this massive crowd. And I, when I mean massive, I mean it's over 5,000 people because it was 5,000 men that end up on the other side there. That doesn't include women and children. And so there is a mass of thousands of people are running down the shoreline through towns. More and more people are being added to them as they continued through. And what happens is Jesus gets over to the other side to his lakefront property there. And, he, and maybe they thought they were gonna have some rest, but there is no rest for the weary. There is no rest. And so the question is this. Jesus wants to get away with his disciples. He realizes his disciples are very weary. Jesus wants to get away, but what, how does Jesus respond when things like this happen? How does Jesus respond? And so I want to talk about three things this morning. What happened to them? How does this translate to us? And how should you respond? What happened then to them, I should say? How does this translate to us, and how should you respond? So he welcomes them, he welcomes us, and he welcomes you. And he welcomed them. Now, there's other translations that in, the, in years past that have said, and he received them. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, the old preacher, like in 1888, did a fantastic sermon on this. And one of the things that he points out in that is that uh, one of the passages that he read, one of the translations that he read said, and he received them. But this is not really gathering the point of what Jesus was doing. Jesus welcomed them. He welcomed them. He didn't just merely receive them. And so he welcomed them. He welcomes people who have really bad timing. Jesus welcomes people who have really, really bad timing. He welcomes people when it's a very inconvenient time. He welcomes people when it's not a good time. He welcomes people when he's tired. He welcomes people when his disciples are tired. They need time to debrief, but he welcomes these people. He does not say to them, I wish that you'd come back at a more convenient time for me. He welcomes them into fellowship with him. Jesus welcomes them even in the midst of bad timing. If you look throughout the scriptures, one of the things that you'll see is that people come up to Jesus. And really, when you're reading the gospels, you need to look at what Jesus is doing. What is Jesus doing in these moments? 
So Nicodemus comes to him at night, knocks on the door in secret, and says, could I, could I meet with you? Jesus isn't like, hey, I'm in the middle of a Netflix binge, and I, uh, I, <laughs> could, we, could we do this later? Jesus isn't, uh, isn't saying, hey, man, I, I just... You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of tired. I've been doing ministry all day. I've been healing people, all, all this stuff. No, Jesus welcomes him in and has a conversation with him. You look at the paralytic who's lowered through the roof. Jesus is in the middle of a sermon. Somebody takes out a sawzall, cuts a hole in the roof. They got four ropes and they're like, hey, lower this guy down as if there's no dust or dirt or anything like that. There is, the house is totally packed. People are getting dust on them and this thing gets lowered down right in front of him and I mean, it's probably right in the middle of Jesus just about to make his clutch point and then all of a sudden this happened. But Jesus welcomes the paralytic. Jesus welcomes the sinful woman. Jesus welcomes people when he's eating dinner. Jesus welcomes the man with the withered hand. Jesus welcomes people. There isn't a situation, as you look at the New Testament, where Jesus is inconvenienced. Jesus is never inconvenienced. And I pray this morning that you would understand that Jesus is not inconvenienced by you and by your coming to him. Jesus is not inconvenienced in any way. Jesus welcomes people also with bad motives. He welcomes all kinds of people who have, you know, questionable motives. What are all these people doing? I mean, surely somebody had been sitting at the, the gate checking tickets. Do you have a ticket? Do you have a ticket? No. They weren't saying, okay, what do you want to see Jesus for? Ah, he doesn't really do that. Oh, you've come with self-interest. You've, you've come uh, be, just because you just, uh, you, you just want something from Jesus. No, Jesus says that's okay. Jesus takes them where they are. Jesus takes people who are just in need of healing. They don't even care who Jesus is. They don't care if he's the Bhagwan. They don't care if he's a politician. They don't care if he's a witch doctor. They're just like, all I know is that I know that he can heal, and Jesus welcomes them. Jesus welcomes people who are just kind of curious. You know, I'm kind of curious what he has to say. I just want to hear what he has to say. Jesus welcomes them. Jesus welcomes people who have bad motives. Jesus welcomes the guy who comes to church because there's a cute girl there. Jesus welcomes the wife who attends church simply because her husband wants to go. Jesus welcomes the person who just doesn't feel good about themselves. Jesus welcomes the person who wants relief from pain and suffering. Jesus welcomes the person who is depressed and can't seem to shake it. Jesus welcomes the person who is in need of friends because Jesus is the greatest friend. Jesus welcomes the person who is in need of money and needs rent and needs food. Jesus welcomes the person who just needs help. And Jesus welcomes them 
And Jesus welcomes you for any reason. I wonder if there's people here this morning that don't understand that they are welcomed by Jesus no matter what reason they're coming to Jesus for. Too often Christian people find ways to say, no, you can only come to Jesus for this reason. But Jesus doesn't care about what your reasons are. What Jesus wants from you is he wants you to seek him. He wants you to come to him. And his invitation is that he welcomes you. He welcomes them in that time period, and he welcomes you also. He welcomes people who are unprepared. They haven't thought about religion. They haven't really considered a whole lot. Think about all these people that are running down the shoreline as they're running uh, frantically trying to get to Jesus first. I want to touch him. I mean, imagine the thousands of people. I don't know if you've ever been to a concert when they finally open up and it's just general seating or standing room only and they open up the doors and then you're just like, I'm booking it to the front. I want to get right underneath that guy. You know, that kind of thing, which is always an awkward place to be like, you know, when you're standing there looking up at him. But great place, I guess, to sit. But these people, they're trying to get to him. There's a frantic, like, let me in, let me there. They were sitting there, perhaps in the market, selling something. They were in the middle of shaving. They were in the middle of, uh, I don't know, having lunch, having dinner, having, whatever it was. They are sitting there and they are, all of a sudden, in a moment's notice, they go, oh, Jesus is going there. Oh, everyone's going there. They left. They were unprepared. And you also may be unprepared. You may be unprepared in this, that you don't know much about Jesus. You don't know much about theology. You don't know much about anything having to do with religion. You don't care about religion. You don't care about what, uh, what God is or has or does. You are unprepared in that sense. Jesus welcomes people who are not uh, dressed up, people who are intellectually unprepared, people who are marginally interested. He welcomes you this morning. Jesus welcomes people who seem like they're too young. We have kids in our services these days right now because we're, we're not doing uh, you know, children's in, uh, in the back, or, uh, or I guess we're doing up to age four. But we have a ton of kids that are in here right now. And Jesus welcomes you. Oftentimes what we can think is we can think, you know, I'm too young to really decide where I am with this whole religion thing. I'm too young to really figure out exactly what's going on. I need to sow my wild oats. I need to learn a little bit more in college. I need to finally get to this point where I finally have this complete grasp on it. But that is to totally negate what Jesus says in Matthew 18, verse 3. Truly, I say to you, unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. And we're, we're seeing amazing things here at Outward Church as our youth ministry continues to grow. I'm seeing amazing things in my own home as we spend more and more time with our kids, as my kids grow in Jesus, as they learn more and more about God because we're homeschooling now. Praise God for that. But you, you are not too young to come to Jesus. You're not too young to understand this because Jesus says you must become like a child to even have faith in him. 
It must be childlike faith. And then lastly, you cannot be too old. We don't necessarily have that problem here at Outward Church. But you cannot be too old. See, there's people that think, I've gone on through my entire life living like hell. And am I now going to turn? Am I now going to turn and become a, a Christian after so many years? One of our elders uh, has been praying for his grandfather for many, many, many years. And just recently, his grandfather asked for a Bible as he was sick. And so our elder took him a Bible. And this man read his Bible. And I, I haven't heard the entire story, but from my understanding, he read the Bible and he came to a saving faith in Jesus Christ. And then he passed. Very short time later. You cannot be too old. You cannot go too far. You cannot be away from God so long that God says, all right, you've done enough living. You have, you have done whatever you wanted for however long you wanted. Jesus receives you no matter how old you are. Jesus receives you right the way that you are. Jesus receives you in the circumstances that you are in. Jesus says, come, come in. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how much life you've lived. Come in. Come be a part of this. You can never get to a point where it's too late. There's so many people that I know that I've met that went to church as a young boy. They rejected it. They wanted to live however they wanted to live. I talked to many, many people who throughout their upbringing experienced legalism in the church, meaning the rules, the regulations. And they said, forget that. I don't want any part of that. They said, I, 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 never, I never want to do that. But then they've gone on in their life and they've done things that they're ashamed of. They've gone on in their life and they've experienced things that they feel like they should not have experienced. And maybe they think that they're too old and that why would Jesus take me at the last moment? Spurgeon points out, the thief on the cross. The thief on the cross who asked to be a part of Jesus' kingdom. And Jesus said, today you will be with me in paradise. Could there be any later of a moment? The moment is not too late for you to be welcomed by Jesus. There could be no later moment than that. And Jesus welcomes him at the most inconvenient time in the last moments of his life and he will welcome you at any point my first point was this and he welcomed them the second thing is this and he welcomes us the same thing that can be said of them can be said for us as well and he doesn't just kind of welcome us he welcomes us with an invitation that is more than just, yeah, you can come along. It's an invitation that says, yes, please come one, come all. He says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Jesus welcomes all of us. The scriptures are there so that you and I can see 
what Jesus is like. This is what Jesus is like. He was like this to them and he is like this to us. See, there's this idea in our world today of tolerance. It's not used as much, I think I've noticed in uh, the last couple of years, but over the last decade or maybe 20 years, something like that, the word tolerance came up a lot. And it's used to, to say, hey, you know what? Uh, how should we treat the people that we vehemently disagree with? We should tolerate them. We should tolerate the people that we hate the most. Just tolerate them and that will make everything just fine. The problem with that is that that is not who Jesus is, and yet we believe that Jesus, in some sense, is tolerating us. He doesn't just welcome them, he welcomes us. He welcomes us, and he welcomes us not with a tolerating love, but it's a welcoming love. It's a love that is poured out upon us, and it is a love that covers us even in the midst of bad timing even in the midst of bad motives, even when we're unprepared, when we feel too young, when we feel too old. It is a love that is not just merely tolerating us, but it is a love that is welcoming us. I don't know if you feel like Jesus might just tolerate you. See, what that comes from, though, is this. As we say, I'm too needy. I'm too needy, I, I, I have too many things that I desire from him, I, I don't have what it takes, I know that I'm still in, in sin, I don't know how I would ever let this go, I don't know how I would ever become somebody different, I don't know how... I could possibly ever stop that. I don't know how I could ever possibly start that. He knows that I wouldn't be a good disciple. He knows my hangups. He knows my inconsistencies. He knows all of these things, but he can't possibly welcome a guy, a girl, a young boy, a young girl like me. He would merely just be tolerating me. But that is to assign something to Jesus that does not stick. That is not who Jesus is. Jesus is not merely tolerating. He's welcoming. And more than welcoming, his compassion is excited by the need that you have in your life. It is as though the more needy I am, the more love I experience from Jesus. Even though he still loves me just as much, but what we see from the scriptures, when Jesus sees need, he has compassion on that need. When Jesus sees people that have problems, he wants to help them. When Jesus experiences somebody that is in the midst of disaster, he looks at them as sheep without a shepherd. When Jesus sees people that are struggling in life, his compassion, his love wells up inside of him. And that's what it says in Romans 5, 20. But where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. 
See, what, what happens with Jesus is this, is that I come to Jesus and I think that somehow I have all of these liabilities. I have all of these things that I feel like would keep me from relationship with Jesus. I have all of these things that would keep me from somehow connecting with him. But what these actually are is that they're not liabilities. They are all of the reasons that he loves you. Jesus says, I welcome you and I love you for your inconsistency. I welcome you and I love you for your sin. I welcome you and love you even in the midst of your need. I welcome you and I love you no matter where you are. How does Jesus respond to us? He welcomes us. He welcomes us us. And that's the third point. And he welcomes you. How do you respond to this? How do you respond to Jesus' welcoming invitation? I don't know if you, if you have a sense of, but I, I, I really can't. I really can't get there. I can't be a, a part of that because I, I can't really uh, fit myself into that mold. I can't be a part of that because he would just get rid of me. He would just cast me out. But John six thirty seven says, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. The staff is reading a book called Gentle and Lowly. I believe it's by Dane Ortland. Right now, there's a section in there that talks about this verse, John 6, 37. And he just goes through a series of things over and over again. He says, I will never cast out, even though I have this problem, I will never cast out. But think about this. I'm acting inappropriately with my girlfriend or boyfriend. I will never cast out. I'm hooked on a substance. I will never cast out. I'm engaged in pornography. I will never cast out. I'm stealing from my work. I will never cast out. I'm lying to those that I love. I will never cast out. I'm cheating my business partner. I will never cast out. I am fill in the blank. How does Jesus respond to you? He says, if you come to me, I will never cast you out. How many of us are in the midst of that circumstance? Even those that, are, that have faith in Jesus Christ are oftentimes in a situation where I can't necessarily engage with Jesus because if I do, I feel like he, he would just be tolerating me. He would just, and I, and I just, I don't want to do that to him. I need to, I need to kind of clean myself up. I need to kind of make things better. But here's the problem. The time for a bath is when you're dirty. The time for stitches is when you're bleeding. Nobody says, you know what? I, I don't want to take a bath right now because I, I just want to clean myself up first and then I'll take a bath. Here's the thing. Jesus is the bath. Nobody says, you know what, I'm going, to wait till, I'm, I'm going to wait till this heals up so that I can get stitches. But Jesus is the stitches. Nobody's, nobody says those kinds of things. Jesus is the healing 
for what is ailing you. Jesus is that healing for your life. And if you wait to come to him, you don't get to experience the welcoming love of Jesus Christ. Jesus is welcoming you into his presence. Jesus is welcoming you today, even if you have faith in him and you're in the midst of circumstances that you know that you shouldn't be a part of. Jesus is excited by the compassion that he gets to lavish on you. He's excited to lavish compassion and love and care and mercy and grace. He is longing to be gracious to you this morning. And the question is, would you receive that? Would you receive that? Because all of these people saw who Jesus was. They had experienced him on so many different levels and they just wanted to be near him and he welcomes them and he will welcome us and he welcomes you. And what is your response? What is your response? You can't wait forever. You should not wait forever. You shouldn't wait and put it out there and say, I'm not, I'm not, gonna, I'm, I'm not gonna go after him. Don't put that off. Seek after him today. Don't, don't, don't put that off any longer. Don't sit there in the stupor of your wealth of your life that is seemingly going quite well, and yet you have very little involvement with Jesus. Don't put it off. There's too many people in our churches today that have just gotten caught up in the uproar of Christianity, evangelicalism, the religious right. There's so many people that have been caught up in this and they're just kind of carried along by everything that they've experienced as a child. And they go on in life and they say, I don't understand why I can't seem to be as passionate as my other friends. I don't seem to understand why I can't seem to uh, get my life together. I don't see how I can get to this place where I have faith on the level that these people do. But here's the thing. It's that you began a religion, but you never started a relationship with Jesus Christ. You believed a series of facts, and yet you never gave yourself to him. You never came to him. You said, I believe that he's Jesus, but the demons believe that and shudder as well, and they are not saved. You've, you've gone along with this whole Christianity thing, and yet you've never fully given your life to it. And in some ways, you've made yourself believe that you don't have a need for Jesus, that you're a pretty good person, forgetting that the only way that you can come to Jesus is because you have a need. The very essence of who you are is that you have a need. And if you deny that consistently and you continue to say that, you may pass from life to death and never having had experienced real life with Jesus Christ. I'm afraid that there are so many people that are in our churches today that don't truly know Jesus Christ as Savior. They've never come to him because they don't believe that he will welcome them. So what do you do? 
The crowd is running. You're in the middle of doing your job. You're in the middle of all of the things that you have going on. And the question is, are you going to drop the hammer? Are you going to drop the laptop? Are you going to drop whatever it is that's going on and run after Jesus? Or are you going to say, you know what, I'll hear about it when they get back. Because hearing about Jesus is different than experiencing Jesus. Jesus is inviting you this morning into a welcoming relationship, no matter where you are, no matter what your circumstances are. And I encourage you this morning to give your life to him today. Don't put it off. He went to the cross. He paid for your sins. And the only thing that it takes is trust that he is the one that can save you and belief that what he says is true and that you must repent for your sin. He wants to heal you. He wants to be a friend. He wants to bring about growth in your life. And if you keep putting that off, you're going to miss him. I encourage you, give your life to Jesus Christ this morning. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we ask this morning that you would empower us. God, there's many here, I believe, that have never truly given their life to you. And so, God, I welcome them to experience you. I know that that is what you want in their life today. So, God, I'm asking that you would move on our hearts, on our minds, on our souls, and that you'd give us a, a passion for who you are as a result. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Let's participate.